Hey everyone, this is Aaron Calafato. And for this special 4th of July 7-Minute Stories podcast, I figured I would share with you a 7-minute segment from an interview I did with Van Jones back in 2017. If you don't know Van Jones is a TV host, you've probably seen him on CNN. He's the host of the Van Jones Show, as well as being the host of The Redemption Project, which is another CNN original series. He is a New York Times bestselling author, and he's a changemaker. He has co-founded multiple nonprofit organizations around America. He is a prison reform champion, and back in 2009, Time Magazine listed Van Jones as one of the top 100 most influential people on the planet. So obviously, this guy just needs to tune up his resume a little bit. It's a little mediocre. <laughs> but all kidding aside, it was great when he came into town a couple of years ago, and I got a chance to talk with him. Uh, he and I had done a couple of events prior to this, uh, when I was touring around the country performing monologues at universities and theaters. And so when we talked, it was a really, a really great conversation. Actually, one of the best conversations uh, politically um, and really about America that I had ever had. And the reason why I chose this seven minute segment to share with you is because of the fact that we're celebrating the 4th of July today when this is released. And we're celebrating our independence and the value of freedom, this thing that we have strove for, that we have fought for, that we fought wars for externally and internally for, it's so important. And at the same time, in recent history, we've been really divided. And of course, we've had divisions in the past historically, of course, terrible atrocities that have occurred in this journey um, towards being better, you know, as Americans and, and, and our story. But at the same time, it's been particularly divisive in the last few years. I think most of you will agree with me. And what I loved about this conversation and what Van spoke to passionately in this segment was, yes, mistakes that were made politically and things that were done in the campaigns on both sides and also the division that um, Americans were feeling and, and, and the, the way people were talking to each other back around uh, 2016 when the election was happening. But at the same time, he also speaks to strategy. He speaks to hope. And really his goal is people coming together and despite our differences coming together, just like we do around the 4th of July, where we celebrate our independence. And I thought it was just a nice, and I would say a very American conversation, uh, that, that we had. And, uh, so I'll let Van take it from here. Uh, he starts by answering a question that I posed about mistakes that were made in Hillary Clinton's campaign back in 2016. And he starts with answering about a particular mistake that the Clinton campaign made right after she won the primary. I'll let Van take it from here. Enjoy. And happy 4th of July. When she won the nomination, she had a decision to make. Does she appoint for her VP a progressive, say an Elizabeth Warren Absolutely. or a Bernie Sanders or somebody from the left wing of this party or Keith Ellison or somebody no. who sends it or Tom Perez? I don't know. Give me anybody yeah. who, sig who sends a signal that you get that you've got a growing wing of this party that's progressive. Instead, she picks a very good man, Tim Kaine, who I sometimes have to call Tim Kaint. Because he can't mobilize black folk, he can't mobilize young people, he can't mobilize women, he can't mobilize Latinos, but he feels safe for her. Mm. So she made a choice to leave the party split, 
She made a, a choice to send no signal to Progressive that she got the message. Right. And as a result, she, you know, w- what did Tim Kaine do for us? And so I feel um, that we have to be very honest now. You know, this was a, a, a much more important constituency um, than the Democrats were willing to acknowledge. It doesn't mean you then turn around and throw African Americans, Latinos, everybody else under the bus. Keep the circle that we have, but gr- draw it bigger to include include more pain. And so, in my book, you know, Beyond the Messy Truth, um, the subtitle is How We Came Apart and How We Come Together, yep. and that's really important to me. Uh, this is a perfect segue. So, I got some questions on social media. Damien says, based on what we're talking about, the party recent polls have shown the favorability rating of Democrats has fallen since November. Uh, and most believe that they don't stand for anything other than being anti-Trump. He says, Van, what message is the Democratic Party going to carry into 2018, 2020 in order to win back the voters of Ohio and the Midwest states? I don't know. Um, and it's not going to be just the message. It's going to be the messenger. That's, that's really key. And so we have no idea how all these people are going to fare. What I do know is this. Um, the status quo is not acceptable, and it wasn't acceptable under Obama either. I mean, you know, it was better than it would have been under a McCain or a Romney or a Bush. Yeah. But the status quo is not acceptable. And what happens sometimes, the right wing, the hard right, the dirty right, the nasty right, is so good at coming after every institution and every constituency that you wind up just playing defense. Yeah. And you wind up then trying to defend a broken status quo that you actually aren't even that passionate about, you know, and that is how they win because they position you as being for the way things are and they position themselves as change. Look at the Clintons in 1992. What was their message? Number one, change versus more of the same. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's the economy, stupid. Number three, don't forget health care. That was the Donald Trump message. Donald Trump Mm -hmm. ran in 2016 with change versus more of the same it's the economy stupid and don't forget health care in his case against obamacare but he actually pulls the clinton playbook and what does hillary clinton run as she runs as basically obama's great trump sucks and i'm gonna you know keep things moving in the positive direction that obama got us going on well i'm gonna tell you right now that is a losing message you've got to be able to say you know what obama did the best that he could yeah. but it ain't good enough and when I get back in there, the Republicans are going to finally realize they've got to deal with this White House, and I'm going to, and I'm going to work with them or against them, but I'm going to fix this. Obamacare is the 1.0 version. Wait till you see what I do for your health care plan. No, you can't do that because now you're against Obama. And, oh, my God, and the whole base is going to eat you alive. So you have to pretend that everything is perfect in America, and you're running for a third term for, for, for Obama. And that, from the very beginning, is disrespectful of the people blue state and red state who are hurting. Now, you say you, in, in the book, you can't lead who you, who you don't love. I'm, yes. I'm, okay. Is that, for, is that for both of our parties? Yes. All, right? Yeah, you can't lead a nation you don't that love. Seems very, that seems very, like, not only basic, but it seems like what's right. Yeah. right? How, how do you lead people you don't love? But it's, You can't. That, I, I don't feel a lot of love coming from the White House. And, he, and what's he leading? He's leading a yeah. very small group of people who are running in circles and, you know, can't tie their shoes. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you, yeah, can you lead a faction? Listen, here's the thing. There's only two ways to lead when it gets down to it. 
You can either lead people by dividing a country over a problem, mm -hmm. or you can lead by uniting over a solution. Those are your only two choices. There's no other choice. Now, you can have shades of gray, but those are the two poles. So if you decide to d divide a country over a problem, however you define it, immigration or stagnant wages or whatever it is, then you get to lead a faction, and that's what he's doing. Trump is leading a faction of people who agree with him on his definition of the problem. The problem is you know, globalization meant our jobs went to foreign countries and mm -hmm. foreign people came to our country, and that's it, and that's their problem. He has no solution. Right. So what, what I say to both sides, if progressives want to lead, we have to figure out a way to love the people in the red states. You can't say you are an ignorant, backwards, redneck, hick idiot. Vote for me. That's what, what you describe as almost like colonial, this perspective yes. of people in flyover states. That is the, the, the great blind spot for Republicans. And I'm not saying every Republican. Sure. But the center of gravity with Republicans right now, they have a blind spot around a certain kind of racial bias or even bigotry, which has allowed something to grow inside the party of Lincoln mm. that should never have been allowed. You don't, look, every Republican is not a Nazi, but now every Nazi is a Republican. And mm. you've got the party of Lincoln, which is now about to be the party of Steve Bannon. That should never have been allowed to happen, ever. And yet it's happening because they've got a blind spot on some of the, these racial issues. Democratic Party is the opposite with the same problem. It's supposed to be the party of the working class and, and the little person against the system. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow there's been a blind spot to a certain kind of elitism, a certain kind of condescension, where it's now okay to be a liberal Democrat and talk the worst crap about low-income white people that you've ever heard. So it's now okay to call you know, low-income white people any name. If you're a liberal, yeah. oh, they're crackers, they're rednecks, they're racist. You know, the whole South is just dumb fuckistan, and, mm -hmm. and they should just secede and screw them. And Hold on a second. You're talking about working people. You're talking about working families. What, how is this cool? But again, it's been allowed, and it's almost now the way you show you're a liberal is not just talk bad about Trump, which you should, right. but talk bad about every Trump voter, which is disgusting. You have people who voted for Hillary Clinton who don't agree with her on everything, but given the choices, that's who they voted for. You have people who voted for Donald Trump who feel the same way. Some of the best people in this country, some of the most honest, hardworking people in this country voted for Donald Trump. And if you can't get your head wrapped around that, if, if me saying that is gonna get, send you into some tizzy fit, I'm gonna tell you, that's why you're gonna have eight years of the guy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. A lot of people have been coming up to Aaron and I at parties, sending emails and calling to tell us how much they love the podcast and ask when the next episode's coming out. A great way to stay connected is to visit the website, 7minutestoriespod.com. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, let more people know what you think about Aaron and his storytelling by rating and leaving a review. Lastly, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share your favorite episode with friends on social media. Thanks again for listening.